team, uh, along with some other duties, as uh, the Boilermakers uh, get ready to face Illinois Saturday at ross Stadium, noon kickoff. Uh, Purdue coming off a 26-20 loss at Iowa. Meanwhile, the Fighting Illini uh, shocked the nation, shocked the Big Ten, probably shocked themselves a little bit, and beat Wisconsin uh, on a late field goal to, to get the, the upset of the year in the, in the Big Ten and probably in, in college football. And uh, to talk more about the Fighting Illini and what we might expect on Saturday, our, our good friend Bob Asmussen from the Champaign uh, newspaper, uh, the News Gazette, uh, does a great job. Bob's been there for many decades uh, reporting and writing about uh, the, the Illini, so we're, we're tapping into his expertise knowledge today about what's going on with uh, Illinois and Lovey Smith. So, Bob, welcome. Glad you could take some time out to join us today. You, Mike, you know that. And I, I appreciate the kind of words, but I'm really not, not, not that smart. Really not that smart. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I've just been here a long time. So that's pretty much been here 30 years. I know where everything is buried. So that's good. Yeah, you and I have probably been doing it the, the same, same amount of time. But uh, before we delve into this week's game uh, and with... Halloween coming up, Bob. I always like to ask a couple off the ball, off the wall questions. But growing up, what was your favorite Halloween costume? Well, certainly I dressed in some sort of sports figure. So I say one year I think I went as Pete Maravich. So I think that was probably I like that one a lot. So basically, shorts and basketball, not very hard. I I, I loved him. I'd always dressed in some sort of sports costume, whatever it was. And the the Halloween candy of choice in your household, either to dish out or to get, is what? Okay, we're famous for giving out the full size candy bars. Okay. So we're that we're that house that everybody wants to go to. I spend a fortune on candy. I, I will give out, you know, and I always give to me that. So my wife yells at me, but yeah, we love full size candy bars. I love Butterfingers personally, so I like Butterfingers. But uh, we give out everything, and they're all big. So if you want to come over to Champagne for Halloween, please do so. We'll, we'll I'll give you the address later. Yeah. Well, I'd have to stop at that restaurant on the way over, and I'd be too full to get any. <laughs> I'd be too full to go to your house and get some candy. So, a, 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 here's a, here's a strange question though: that if you went if you went to Lovey Lovey Smith's house for Halloween, what would he hand out? Okay, here's the tricky part. Lovey Smith does not live in a house. There's lives in a condo, actually right next door to the paper. Lives in a condo. So I'm not sure, it's probably, you have to get through security. So you're probably not getting to his house. I'm sure at this point, he should be getting around like, you know, 20s or something, right? So you can, you can have enough money or something, right? Just congratulate you, hey, I'm happy, here's some money. So uh, I, I'm sure that, I'm sure if the house was available, there would be some good tweaks there. I think that, actually, I think the only coaches over time, the ones that actually had their doors open, I'm sure they gave a good stuff because you don't be known as a cheapskate coach, right? So right. I, I think a lot of you would be generous, as <laughs> my guess. All righty. Uh, so let's move uh, move ahead here, but look back first. Um, in your time of covering Illinois football, where does this win, where does last week's win rank as far as the significance and uh, all that kind of stuff that, that the sport, uh, sports writers like to to, 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 to categorize and, and rank. 
Mike, is it was stunning. Uh, certainly the most stunning game at home ever. In my 30 years, even going beyond that, but certainly at home, the 30 years I've covered, I've never seen a game like that because it was so out of blue. Because Illinois, people were talking about Lovey being fired, okay? So you got to go from the guy being fired to beating the number six team in the country. Nobody thought they could beat them. But I think the player you said earlier, maybe only the players believed and maybe they didn't even believe. I think they believed. I think the coaches thought they had a good game plan for, for Wisconsin. But once it unfolded, the way it unfolded, but Wisconsin taking control, it was, it was stunning, my guy. There's never been a bigger win by Illinois as an underdog as heavy as they were. 31-point underdogs at home. That just doesn't happen very often. They had never won a game in that situation. So I was stunned. I had no clue that was coming. And luckily, fortunately, you know, we write a lot during the game, right? You do, I do. And fortunately, during that game, for some reason, I said, I'm going to wait till the end of the game, after the game, and right then. So I didn't waste a lot of time writing things that I didn't end up using. I just wrote about what I saw afterward. And so it worked out pretty well. Yeah, when you look at the box score from this game, everything except one category, I believe, points toward Wisconsin winning. But it's the turnovers. The turnovers ended up being being the being the big turnaround in that thing, which is always the case. But you know, Illinois doesn't take a snap in the red zone. They're outgained by a bunch. I mean, how how did they actually win this game? Well, the defense played better than had really all year. Uh, Mike Matt Mellon, who did the game for BTN, I talked to him at halftime, just briefly saw in the hallway. He said the Illinois defensive line was playing exceptionally. They're, they're uh, containing the blockers. The linebackers were running free, and I, I really liked for that in the second half. I think Illinois defense played a great, a great game, honestly. And they played, they did enough, and like you said, the turnovers are huge. Tony Adams at the end there had been burned early in the game on a couple long passes. So he got even and, you know, double even because he made, he painted the quarterback into a throwing a pick. Made a great play, showed his athletic ability, and really turned that game because without that pick, Wisconsin probably runs out of five wins a game. But he made it impossible for that to happen. Once once Illinois got the ball there, I said to everybody around, I said, I said Illinois is going to win this game. Actually, I said that before that, I thought, I thought when, right before they got the bubble from Taylor, they had a chance. But when they did that, I thought, okay, they're going to win this game. Just seems like the momentum had turned their way, and they took advantage of everything. All right, so I know this has been a question over there all week. What do they do for the encore, and how do they carry this momentum into to this week of practice, and obviously into Saturday's game? Well, it's funny because as critical as that win was, to me, the Purdue game is even more critical because if they go over there Purdue and get beat like they do usually over there and get beat by 20 points or whatever, it's going to wipe out all the good feelings from the Wisconsin game. So to me, winning this game for Illinois is, is critical. Maybe as important as the game as they've had here since 2007. I really believe that. And the fact that it's on the road against a team that's clearly getting its stuff together makes it harder. And I don't know how it's going to go, but I do think Illinois will play well. I think the players figured out some things about themselves. They certainly are confident now. They certainly feel good about themselves. So I think they'll play better. The question is, you know, do injuries that have happened in the last couple of weeks 
screw it up and cause them more trouble. And do they have enough uh, defensive ability to slow Purdue, which has not been easy the last couple of years? Yeah, so, so why, I guess, in your mind, what, uh, what things have maybe changed defensively for this group? I know that they like to get after the quarterback, and they're one of the top teams uh, in the country in tackles for loss. But what, what has changed a little bit defensively for them that uh, they've been able to show up a little bit better over the last couple weeks? Well, I, it's pretty simply, I think guys are just feeling comfortable, comfortable with what they're doing defensively. The last couple of years before this year when Levy Smith took over the defense, I think the guys were always kind of unsure of where they were, what they were doing. And they had a, three really bad games last year. They took 63 to three teams. That's awful in defense. And they're not doing that now. They're playing, obviously, they've had some big point totals against them this year still, Nebraska, for instance. But they've still, they're just playing better. They're playing more consistently. They're not letting as many big plays against them, so that's been huge. So I think they're doing a lot of things well, honestly. And offensively, they've had some some problems at quarterback uh, with uh, with Brandon Peters. Uh, where I guess where's he at from a confidence standpoint? Where's he at from a, a running this offense standpoint? And um, and what is he still going to be the guy as they as they move forward the rest of the year? He didn't have a great game early against Wisconsin, obviously. But late in the game, he played really well. He made a couple of really clutch throws. He's got a receiver or two that he really is comfortable with. So he's, he's to me, I think they are best with him as quarterback, honestly. They they don't run as well with him because he is not the running threat that maybe A.J. Bush was last year or some of the other guys, you know, Juice Williams. But he can throw the ball better than anybody they have ever had here in a long time. So I think when the offense is running well, when they move the ball as a running team, they do some things. He's got a really strong arm. He's a good quarterback. And I think the team believes in him, which is important. He missed, him. he missed the Michigan game, which is really disappointing to him, personally. He played against them, obviously went to school there, but to play against them. That's where his degree is from. And I think that was really hard for him. For him. But he came back against Wisconsin to be a good enough game to win. And he's more of a game manager than maybe a guy you, you know, put on. He, he doesn't put the team on his back, and he does enough to make sure they stay in the games. Yeah, now he gets to come to his home state uh, against a program that didn't recruit him very hard or probably didn't even offer him a scholarship. But that was right. back that was back under Daryl Hazel. So uh, I'm sure Jeff Brown would have offered him a scholarship if he was the, the coach at the time. But any any discussion from, from Brandon about coming back home and, uh, you know, playing in his home state? Well, he's excited about playing there. He played there. His first game, it was at Michigan. The first time he played, took his nap, was there. He threw one pass for four yards. So he didn't have a whole lot of taste of it. But he likes coming there. But secondly, it's a great thing because it's like an hour away from home. Either in Avon, Indiana. So they drive over. He's going to have a huge personal crowd there. So I think he likes the idea of playing at Purdue. I think he feels comfortable playing there. So And again, he's feeling better about his, himself because he just led his team, his team to the best win really in, in a long time in Illinois. So I think he's comfortable and he thinks he's happy to be coming home. So, uh, in, in your in your opinion, and what you've been able to, to pick up, what what do you think Illinois' view 
of Purdue is right now. Obviously, Purdue's had a lot of injuries. They've got a lot of new faces out there. But kind of take us through what uh, maybe what the Illini people are, are thinking and saying about Purdue. Right. Well, Levin Smith is not being Purdue. So he's got to have great respect for them, and he does. I think the players respect Purdue because they look at the team that has been where they want to be. Purdue has been to, what, two bowls in a row, right, under under Jeff Bob. Done a great job, won some huge games. I think Illinois sees Purdue as, a, in some ways, a role model because Purdue did it quickly. They got the ball games, and I think Illinois wants to go there. So I think there's great respect. And I also think, you know, the canon, I know you wrote about the canon a little bit. I think there's some, some pride in that. I think the guys, there's no trophies right here right now. All three corporate games Illinois plays belong to the other school right now. I think Illinois would like that thing back. I promise that they went and they'll parade it around like they just won the Super Bowl. And it'll be a big deal for them. But they were, I think there's definitely a strong feeling, not a negative feeling, but a strong feeling about, hey, Purdue's good, we respect them, we know their record is not what they are. They, I think the Illinois people think that Purdue is much better than what the record says. And I think that's right, clearly. Well, I saw watching them. I, I'm sure that team is better. Yeah, I mean, they they a little deceiving with the injuries and stuff. But uh, and you go back to the Nevada game, but they were healthy that game, and they should have never should have never lost that one. And that's that's put them in the position I think that they're in right now, where you, they have to win out almost to to get to a bowl game. And the the teams when you take Wisconsin off their schedule and just think of that as a loss. The other four games are ones where they should be able to compete very well against with Illinois, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Indiana. But they just they seem to get a new injury every week that uh, that, that may hold them back. But I did, I did want to go back and revisit. I mean, you, you talked about uh, before the Wisconsin game, uh, uh, you know, Lovey's been on the hot seat, a lot of questions about his future. Um so if they don't win out or if they don't get to a bowl game, in your opinion, what happens with their coaching situation in Illinois? I think, I think, I think Saturday it was kind of sealed up that he will be back. I, I never really thought he wouldn't be back. I think Josh, Josh Whitman, obviously you guys know really well, he respects Levy, he cares for Levy, and he wants him to be his coach. So Josh Whitman has no interest in making a change. So that, and he's the most important, really the only person that really matters. I suppose there maybe some boosters and maybe the chancellor could put some pressure on them. I don't say that company. I think the people above Josh understand him and they respect him. So they let, let him do what he wants to do. He wants to keep loving. Now, the win against Wisconsin makes that a whole lot easier. There's not... I think that I, I look at Illinois as a team that is going to win four games for sure. They're going to be a Rutgers here for sure. If they win two more to go to the ball game, that would be great. But I think even without that, the love is back next year, no question. If you look at the schedule next year, they open, they have four games at the beginning of the season, they can win. So they could have that start next year. So I think, I think Lovey will be back almost regardless. Let's say if we're to lose the last five games by Huge scores. That's the only way, and I don't think that'll happen. Unless they lose the last five games by big enough margins, I think he's back next year for sure. But this game coming up Saturday is kind of a swing game for them because, as you mentioned, the schedule. They got Rutgers after this, and then uh, they closed with Northwestern. In between, you have Michigan State and Iowa, two two opponents where they're not going to be favored. So 
a win over Purdue probably would solidify or at least calm any kind of fears about making a coaching change. I know last week was a big step in that direction, but uh, and as you talked about at the beginning, just how important this Purdue game is because you want to continue that momentum from, from Wisconsin. Yeah, I did uh, one more one more thing about Saturday's game. Uh, you know, obviously Purdue had its share of injuries, but uh, on the injury front, what's happening? What's happening with uh, Illinois right now? Well, they keep losing receivers. They lost Trayvon Sidney. He's out for the year with a lower leg injury. That Lubby's euphemism for I think, it's that, I think it's a knee injury, but he didn't say that. He says lower leg. So you sort of figure, okay, ankle or knee. So one of those two. And uh, he's out for the year. And uh, Ricky Smalling, we don't know what his stat is. Says they haven't ruled him out. What he only tells you about an injury when the player's done for the year. So like I, Mike Epstein, running back, is out for the year. He had surgery. But other than that, if a guy's banged up, maybe it's a game or two. Lovey's not going to tell you that. Which I, I, get, I get that. I think he's trying to. Protect these guys as best you can. So I, I understand the idea, idea but uh, reporters really can know everything. So yeah, they're they're banged up pretty bad, and um, we'll see how healthy they are. It's kind of a week to week thing, Mike. We don't know who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. You kind of find out where they roll on the field. So the ladies try to kind of make it work. So I guess again, I I respect that they've been able to win a game like Wisconsin without their full complement of players. Yeah. Uh, since we have you, Bob, I did want to talk about the Big Ten in general. Uh, and let's start with the Big Ten West. Uh, this was supposed to be wide open at the beginning of the year. Different different reporters were picking different teams. This was going to be just, you know, potentially six teams vying for that top spot. Well, as as always, things don't go as, as we all thought they would the go at the beginning of the year. Now that may still end up that way in the last month, but what what has Minnesota shown you uh, for them to be undefeated, to be leading the West, and can they can they keep this up through a a, a difficult month of November where they're they're going to be playing some serious uh, heavy hitters in the Big Ten? I'm not a big PGA flag fan. Okay. I'll make that clear from the start. I, I have no real faith in him. I think he's kind of a big talker, but he doesn't do a whole lot. But he surprised me because they're playing so much better than I thought they would. Now, their schedule really helped. They had a schedule set up to start 7-0, maybe 8-0. I think they'll get there this week. So I think their schedule helped a lot. They're going to, like you said, late in the year, 
they're going to be tested. But they still are doing the, what they have to do, which is win games. Now they're getting better. They're winning by bigger margins. So they, to me, they're definitely, at this point, the favorite in the West. No question. I've seen, seen them and I've seen Wisconsin. I think they're better, they're better than Wisconsin. It's close, but they're better. And they, so I, I like Minnesota. I, didn't, I picked Iowa preseason. So I, I thought Iowa would be the team to beat. Their schedule obviously hit them pretty hard. I lose in Michigan, lose in Penn State. But there's, they're still in position. If they win out, they can control their destiny too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they still win the division. But those two, are, to me, are in Wisconsin. Those three are the ones that are in contention. I didn't buy Nebraska this year. I think that's asking an awful lot to go from 48 to winning the Big Ten West. So I think I think they're another year or two away. I think Scott Frost will get them to a point where they're winning at a high level, but I don't think it's this soon. Look at this week; they got Indiana at home. They're underdogs. That tells you everything you need to know. So, you know, ten years ago, when you said Indiana would be a home favorite again or a fourth favorite in the past, you never said that. So, I think they are not quite there yet. So, I think it's three schools fight for one spot. Yeah, and back-to-back years, uh, schools from Indiana went into Nebraska and were uh, uh, favorites uh, from the point spread standpoint, and that's not uh, that's not the college football that I grew up with. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that'd be true. And the other Big Ten question is, can anybody beat Ohio State? Um, no. Okay. No. <laughs> no, they can't. They're, yeah, I think they proved, they showed last week how good they are. They show every week how good they are. But again, they'll play Wisconsin this week. I think Wisconsin will give a bit of a fight. I think they'll play well. They're going to be embarrassed what happened what happened to them here in Champaign. They'll play well, but I don't think they have horses to beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State might be the best team in the country, honestly, because I was thinking all along it was Clemson. I actually dropped them, made my poll this week and dropped them from two to four. So I don't think they're that great. I think Alabama's got some flaws. And I think Ohio State looks like the best overall team in the country. So I, I right now would just pay for them to win the whole thing, honestly. Unless they, unless they have a devastating injury or two on the offense or defense, then that would change my mind. But right now, they're healthy. That with the way that steps work and the way that team is playing, they're as good as anybody in the country. So when the college football playoff rankings come out, how do you see the committee ranking the top four? Not how you would rank them, but how you see the committee ranking the top four right now? I think they'll go Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. And I think that's that's pretty close to what I do. I would do too. But it'll be a toss-up between Alabama and LSU. And I'm not sure is the first poll this week or maybe next week. Uh, maybe, maybe next week. Yeah. So Alabama and LSU play thing next weekend. So after that game, we'll really know because one of them is going to drop. But I think those two are definitely in the mix right now. And then we'll see. I think Ohio State is up in the top four, and they've been Clemson's top four. And then that kind of leaves Oklahoma, which is their schedule is not very very good. They're kind of that right right now. That they're the odd team out, but when LSU or Alabama play. One of them falls out. Oklahoma moves to number four. So that's where they are. Yeah, but you, you wouldn't expect the Alabama LSU loser to drop very far, would you? No, depending depending no, on the no, game, maybe. Depending on the game, they'll drop enough that Oklahoma will be able to climb above them. But, you know, that's to see 
they get a lot of credit for how tough the teams are in them league, and they are tough. They're great teams. But they also, what are they scheduled? Is it, they play a lot of games against Furman. They play a lot of games against Wabash. They play a lot of games against Cena. They should not be playing. They only play the game conference schedule to be as smarter on their part, but also kind of windy. So uh, I'd like to see them play nine games like everybody else. I'd like to see, see the playoff people say, hey, if you want to play for the title, you're going to play nine conference games. Nine conference games. If you want to play eight, you're not going to be in our playoff. I'd like them to do that. I don't think they're going to do that, but I wish they would. Well, then I would vote you the commissioner for college football because that's what that would I be. I like that job. <laughs> that, that would I be like the, that job. I, I have to be able to stand champagne, champagne and still cover Illinois, but other than that, <laughs> I like that job. <laughs> And, and uh, do you think that we've, we've reached a point now, at least from the Big Ten standpoint, with Ohio State, that they're at a point of no return, that if they lose, they're probably out of the picture? I'm not sure that's 100% right, but I, I, I think they're, they're close to that. I'm not sure who can beat them. I guess Wisconsin could beat them. You're talking about the Big Ten being on the playoff? Thing? Yes, yes. I mean, if Ohio State would lose... Are they past well, the point? Minnesota's yeah. in there, and frankly, I'll say something crazy. Minnesota is still in there because they are defeated too. So if Minnesota or Penn State, especially Penn State, but Minnesota, Penn State, go undefeated, they're going to have a chance. Penn State, especially Penn State, is close right now. They'll be they'll be top six or seven when the first playoff comes out. Playoff rankings come out, so they are certainly in the hunt. Now they'd have to beat Ohio State to be be undefeated. So we'll see what they do. They they play well enough to be considered too. They're better. Now, honestly, Mike, they're way better than I thought they'd be because I thought they lose them shortly. They're going to drop like a drop like a rock, but they haven't. They find another guy. I think I think that whole team. I think James Franklin is something special. Honestly, no, he can recruit, and he's got like three deep at every position, and that is a good coach, good game coach. Yeah, and you won your won your Vanderbilt. You're doing something right. So I think he's a, he's a guy. I, I honestly think he's the guy that's going to move on eventually. He's going to move on to the NFL or move on to whatever you think of as maybe the best program in the country. Although he's at a great spot right now. Yeah, because uh, I mean their their defensive line is for real. I mean it is oh, yeah. it is nasty and it's for real. Yeah. And they've got a they've got a stable full of running backs that they can turn to. Uh, and a good offensive line, and I'm I am looking I am looking forward to that Penn State Ohio State game, you know later later in the year. Well, Bob, uh, we appreciate your time today, your insights on Illinois, your insights on the Big Ten West, your insights on the Big Ten, and your insights uh, from a national perspective. You've got it all. You're full of knowledge, and we only probably tap ten percent of it. Maybe 5%. Okay. <laughs> hey, Mike, I'll, I'll talk to you anytime you want to talk, all right? All right. And I can't wait to see you on Saturday. All right, yes. Uh, Bob Asmussen, uh, Champagne News Gazette. Uh, Bob, where can, they, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at uh, Bob Asmussen. Uh, Bob Asmussen, one word. All right. So he's a good follow on Twitter for Illinois and uh, college football information. And uh, we thank him for his time for previewing Saturday's game. Uh, between Purdue and Illinois at ross Aid Stadium. Bob, thanks again. Thanks, again. thanks Mike. Good talking to you. Once again, thanks, for, uh, thanks to Bob to, for joining us uh, today. 
uh, on the Boilers Extra podcast. He is a he's a great follow on Twitter. He's 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 extremely knowledgeable about college football, in particular Illinois. Uh, he he knows his stuff, and he's been a he's been a good person for me to get to know over the years, and he, you know been able to tap into his knowledge and get his insight on a lot of stuff and. Uh, that's kind of how it works uh, in college football, where you just kind of you lean on e- each other uh, a little bit and try to glean information from uh, from one another about uh, the teams and the conference and the the national landscape. And Bob's a, a great great resource uh, for all that. Uh, probably should be a close game on Saturday. Uh, I don't, you know, I was on a radio station uh, earlier Wednesday. And they were talking about the spread of the game, the Las Vegas spread, the the point spread. Uh, it was up. To, it opened uh, at nine, and I think it's up to nine and a half now. Purdue being favored, and they were somewhat uh, puzzled and perplexed um, how that could be uh, that Illinois is coming off that big win and Purdue's coming off a loss uh, uh, to Iowa, and why this point spread was so high. It appears to be a little bit too high in, in my mind, but. Um, there's a reason why the lights still shine in Vegas. There's a reason why, um, all those things happen and there's restaurants and hotels. There's, uh, the bookmakers know what they're doing and, uh, be curious how this game plays out, but I would anticipate a close game, not like last year's game, which uh, ended up probably 39 or 40 point difference. Uh, I think this will be a close game, uh, just because, uh, obviously Purdue is still dealing with some injuries to some key personnel, and are just not the the same team uh, that they were at the beginning of the year. But you're getting um, you're getting a few guys back, maybe, uh, and then the, the the players that are playing are gaining experience. So uh, I would expect a lot of areas of Purdue's game to take a step forward. You know, I thought some areas took took a step forward last week uh, against Iowa. They just didn't get the win, and they had a couple of uh, you know bad turnovers that uh, ended up costing them the game. Uh, but, you know, I think this team, as young as it is and uh, the lack of experience that it had at uh, when all this started uh, in the second and third week, you know, I think they, they've made progress. And, and this is a huge game for both teams, to be honest, and I would expect a close game. And the reason why it's a, a huge game, because as you look at the schedules, and that's what everybody does, um, you know, the teams and players say they don't, but they do. Uh, you know, Purdue, you know, everybody knows the situation. Purdue has to win four of its last five games, at least, you know, at least four of their last five to, to get to a bowl again for the third straight year. And you start looking at the, the games, Illinois is on paper is a, is a game Purdue, uh, matches up well, uh, with the Illini, especially at home. Then you got Nebraska. They're coming off an open week. They have Indiana on Saturday. They seem to be in a little bit of, uh, uh, flux right now. Not sure exactly what. Uh, you'll get from the Huskers uh, in a couple weeks. Don't know the quarterback situation. So that game is at Rossi. That's a game that you would think Purdue uh, would have a chance uh, to win. You know, it's not out of the question. Then you go to Northwestern. The Wildcats are struggling offensively. Still play pretty good defense. You know, disregard what Ohio State did to them. Uh, Purdue can't do that to 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 Northwestern. Uh, the other part of that is Northwestern has beaten Purdue five straight times, and that's a that's a series uh, streak of high for for the Wildcats. Uh, but that's a game that, when you look at it on paper and you start looking at the teams, that's a game that Purdue has a, has a good chance to win. 
going to Wisconsin is probably not going to be a win, but we saw what Illinois did last week. So you don't completely discount it. And if Purdue is on some sort of winning streak at that point, then, you know, it's, it's, it's possible. And then you close with Indiana, which, uh, you know, I, I, I believe if Purdue's in a position to uh, get to a bowl game uh, again by beating Indiana in the, in the 12th game, then I think Purdue probably stands a good chance of, of, of winning that game. And Indiana should be, and we emphasize should be bowl eligible by that time because they do play Nebraska this week and then they get Northwestern next week. Those are, um, those are two games in Indiana, the way they're playing right now, uh, they, they should get. So the, in Illinois is in the same boat. They have Rutgers next week, which is a game that you would earmark as a victory. Uh, then they go uh, to Michigan State and they go to Iowa, two games that you would earmark as probably a loss for Illinois. But then they close with Northwestern. You know, as of right now, that would be a game that you would look at and see a win by Illinois. And that, you know, if that happens, if they beat Rutgers and they beat um, Northwestern, that puts Illinois at five wins. And that's what makes Saturday's game so important to Illinois. Because if they can come in to Ross-Aid Stadium and win, that gives them the fourth win. And then you're looking at, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a huge upset. It would probably be an equally huge upset on the other side if Illinois lost to Rutgers, the way Rutgers, the, the state of their program right now. And then the, the Northwestern game would be a rivalry game. It wouldn't be as big of an upset if Northwestern beat Illinois. But at that point, you have to feel like Illinois would have – uh, the edge and the momentum to to close it out and get a get a victory if they can beat Purdue on Saturday. So this becomes a you know it's a to me the winner of this game probably becomes you know I think if Illinois wins I, I think they become bowl eligible for sure. I'm not going to say if Purdue wins they become bowl eligible for sure because they've got a couple in my mind you know tricky games with Nebraska as kind of kind of that uh, that centerpiece game there. That the, that that they would have to win that it would not be um, it would not be a gimme you know it'd be a very difficult game for Purdue to win but if they can beat Illinois you know they'll have a little bit of confidence a little bit more confidence than what they have right now and a lot of it just depends on the state of uh, uh, Nebraska's team as they as they would gear up to come in here but you know from a injury standpoint you know it looks like Purdue's going to get a few players back based on some practice. Um, sightseeing that <laughs> that uh, we've been able to do you know Cornell Jones uh, has been working out uh, he was at practice on Wednesday he was 50 50 at the beginning of the week um, so we'll see if he actually gets in there and plays you know this is a game where Purdue probably plays more nickel than it does the traditional 4-3 alignment because of uh, the run pass option offense that Illinois runs so um, they, you know, they've got, they'll have a couple couple linebackers on the bench that they can turn to uh, if they need to. Uh, but you know, you you get in short yardage situation, you like to have another linebacker out there. You know, Anthony Watts uh, obviously played last week. I would look for him to play more snaps uh, this week. We did talk to him after practice uh, today uh, on Wednesday, and uh, you know, he wouldn't say if his elbow was broken. It's just that it uh, it was messed up. Uh, so. But the, the brace he's wearing is kind of holding it together. And he had actually asked uh, uh, before practice began if anybody wanted to, to join 
the yoga class that he was getting ready to start, and he was uh, directing his uh, questions to members of the media. Uh, I said, sure, why not? I could lose some weight, and uh, we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, Jalen Graham was out there today. Um, again, and uh, Jeff Brom had said Monday that he would probably play, but would be limited in practice. He had his uh, red jersey with him. Not sure he, he had it on a whole lot. Um, Lorenzo Dill actually was at practice today, Did not was not part of practice. He was out working out on the side with the injured players, uh, which they do every day, but we hadn't seen Lorenzo uh, very much uh, at all uh, uh, these last few weeks. And, uh, uh, but he was, he was getting out, getting out there and getting some work done. Jeff Brown said Monday that, uh, you know, the, the, they still plan to, to target, to play him at some point, uh, this year. And, you know, with, uh, five games to go, uh, you know, time, time is running out on doing that. Branson, <laughs> excuse me, Branson Dean and Kieran Douglas were also off to the side. I, I don't, I wouldn't look for them to play. Uh, today, Richie Worship was also working out with the uh, the injured players, and that may be a maintenance thing uh, with Richie. Uh, as you know, he got in the game last week at Iowa, got a carry, first time in nearly two years he's been able to get on the field, which is a good story for him. And now, uh, you know, I think he'll probably uh, have a little bit more thought as far as maybe trying to come back for an extra year of eligibility uh, if things progress uh, the rest of the year and he gets some more action. Um, you know, he could really help the offense, you know, this year, uh, but particularly next year, if he could get him healthy to a point where he, he's giving you, you know, eight to 10 carries a game and getting some yardage, uh, as you know, he's a big bruising back that is hard to tackle in the open field. And if you would add uh, that dimension to, to what next year's offense could potentially be, um, you know, you're looking, you're looking at a lot of points and a lot of yards in, in my in my mind, assuming, and this is a big assumption, assuming you can get the offensive line to a point where they're much improved than what they were th- uh, this year and you're not taking as many sacks and you're able to generate a running game. But as always, we get ahead of ourselves here. But that's kind of the rundown of where uh, the Boilermakers are at uh, heading into uh, uh, Saturday's game. Of course, Rondell Moore, Jeff uh, Brom said at the beginning of the week was doubtful, and that's that's probably still the case. He he did not we didn't I did not see him um, at practice. Usually comes out at the end of practice on Tuesday and Wednesday and works out with the jugs machine gun uh, to keep his hands sharp. But uh, I don't believe that he was even out doing that uh, uh, this week. So uh, so to be Purdue and Illinois coming up on Saturday at noon. Uh, maybe some rain in the in the forecast, but otherwise, uh, it's a big game for both teams, as we said. Huge game. You know, I think it's going to be close to a sellout, and uh, it should be a good one between uh, uh, the, the Boilermakers and the Fighting Illini. Uh, come back uh, after the game. Uh, we'll have our Boilers Extra podcast uh, post-game edition as uh, we'll wrap up the game in uh, uh, through this means, and also we'll be writing stories as well. Uh, and, of course, all of our coverage is at jconline.com. Subscribe to the podcast through all the necessary means and ways that all the you know you know what to do. I'm not sure how you do it, but I think most of you that are uh, listening to this know how to subscribe, and we, we appreciate your support. Until uh, after Saturday's game against Illinois, uh, this is Mike Carmen, and we'll, we'll talk to you then.